Welcome back to the Roanoke Weekly Podcast for March 20th. This is Brad, and we're back with Xavier and Ariel today. How are you guys doing? <laughs> I'm doing good. I'm better. I, I was sick last week, but I'm, I'm doing all right now. I think we're a little bit the walking wounded at the moment. <laughs> right. <but>. Allergies. <laughs> Etc. The things we put up with to bring you guys the news every week. Oh, yeah. We suffer. I'm just kidding. <laughs> and we don't do it every day, Brad. We do it once a week. Well, you know. <laughs> um, well, let's jump right in to this exciting list of things. <laughs> there are some big things in here, but I wanted to start with kind of an update on a story that we've talked about in the past, which was that uh, they were looking for school board applications, and it now looks like they're... Uh, got two vacancies, and they've got four people that they're going to interview for those two vacancies. Uh, Annette Lewis is not going to be able to retake her seat after finishing her final term of eligibility, uh, but Lutheria Smith has uh, reapplied to be um, uh, reappointed. And, you know, the way this has normally worked is she probably will be reappointed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that probably looks like we then have three people. Uh, looking for that one uh, slot that's going to be open there. And those are Angela Penn, Natasha Saunders, and Joyce Watkins. So um, those applications, uh, those interviews mm. will be coming up soon, and we'll have more clarity on who's going to be on the school board. So. Good luck. Was, yeah, I'm hoping some young people get on there, some fresh young blood <laughs> gets on there, some people that are still on the ground level and see some things that are going on. Um, within the schools and in the community that can help change some things. I know some of these names, and those are good people. Yeah, I met with Natasha last mm-hmm. week and was impressed, really impressed yeah. with her and our conversation. So, and of course, I like Angela Penn as well. So right. She may not be <laughs> in that younger category. But, but she's still very, very good. Um, but, yeah. So that's happening. So if you have any thoughts. City Council, I'm sure, would love to hear that. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. <Right. laughs> as long as you're not just tearing people down. Try not to do that. Um, uh, we do want to share an update on a story that we talked about a long, long time ago, um, and that uh, I will recuse myself from talking about a bit because I was involved in some of this, but uh, Roanoke has officially become the third Virginia locality to use a land bank. Um, and that's happened through on Monday, city council approving and contracting with TAP to serve as the land bank partner for the city. For uh, those of us who don't know what a land bank is, um, this article goes on to describe that properties the city has seized for unpaid, unpaid taxes can be turned over to TAP, who's going to be managing the land bank, which will clear the liens against them and renovate them for affordable rental housing or home, home ownership opportunities. Um, which would effectively remove some of the blight from city neighborhoods is the idea. Yeah, it's essentially a tool for more easily taking blighted properties and turning them into um, productive and uh, useful properties. And affordable. I mean, so it doesn't have to be. We're kind of depending upon TAP to ensure that. that that Right, which you would hope that that's part of their mission to do that, that, yeah. It's not not built into the, the, the deed necessarily. Um, so yeah we'll see kind of how that progresses um it's a it's a big step Uh, we don't know exactly what it means they say in this article that the um the city is not sure how many folks um or how many properties will actually be going into this land bank early on that they anticipate quote uh it to roll out slowly um so we'll see how it goes 
Hmm. Um, uh, the other thing that kind of happened at City Council this week that we talked about a bit last week was that City Council has officially approved the rezoning of land to allow the Richfield Living uh, Facility that's going to be out on Orange Avenue to move forward. So that'll be a big development um, and a big um, what to do when that finally goes ahead. So that's uh, if you're looking for retirement living, go ahead and put your name on the list there. So. $25 million. I'm looking at you guys. I know that you're already thinking about your retirement. Oh, yeah. yeah. Entrepreneurship is a straight path to just early retirement, you know, right. as they say. Um, it does speak to me that Roanoke has tried to market itself as a retirement community for a while. And the fact that they have the increased demand for this is probably a good sign for uh, the success of that programming. It's true. Um. And now, this Tra- was transit. interesting to me. We love our, our transportation segment here <laughs> on the Roanoke Weekly Podcast. Um, did you guys know how Star worked beforehand? No. So this was Tell interesting to me. Um, I kind of assumed that it was just something that either Medicaid paid for or something else. But no, it looks like um, if you want to take advantage of Star, which is the door-to-door transit service that serves the disabled folks in the community... Um, the prices are going to go up in the next month from $96 a month to $112, uh, which is a fairly significant increase. Um, and, uh, you know, I don't know exactly what the reasoning for this was, but um, it's a, uh, you know, it's certainly going to put a hurt on some of those folks that are reliant on Social Security or whatever that have a very fixed income mm-hmm. that they're going to have to change their budget a little bit, it looks like, moving forward. Yeah, it looks like they connect the passengers to the fixed route bus service lines that exist. So, uh, kind of like that, you know, final step to getting people to and from their homes and things of that nature. Um, but it is, that's, that's kind of quite a price tag on that. It is. And I think a lot of it, um, you know, there's folks that take it to work and stuff, but I think it's also a lot of medical trips that are being taken on there, which is, you kind of hate to include another barrier to that. But again, I don't know what the reasoning was, and I trust that they thought long and hard about it. But um, there will be people that probably struggle to make that, that number work for their budgets. Yeah, hopefully they find some ways to help with that increase, you know, roll it out slowly for people who need it, need assistance with it. All right. But um, from one form of transportation to another... <laughs> um, <laughs> Horses are apparently going to become a big deal in our lives in the next uh, few years here uh, because Colonial Downs is apparently going to be investing a bunch of money. This We have talked about Colonial Downs and horse racing coming mm-hmm. back to Vinton for a little while now, but I guess I didn't recognize the immense scale that they're talking well, I didn't about know it, for this. I thought it was all going to be digital, like recorded stuff, not – there, there's going to be real horses there? No, I mean it's all going to be remote. So oh. Well, this the, photo is misleading. There's a real horse in this photo. There definitely is a real horse. Um, but okay. Anyway, sorry to derail. I really do Rosies. like horses, so I was kind of excited about it. Um, <laughs> so, okay, we're all going to be still looking at screens of horse races. Yes, this is an off-track betting facility. Right. Okay. That's what I thought. That's why it's confusing. He's got oh. a, somebody put a horse in the parking lot and took a picture of it. So, anyway. Um, it's going to be called <laughs> Rosie's on. Gaming Emporium. Aww. We'll have a restaurant, bar, gift shop. Uh, and live racing there as well, so that. But not real horses. Not I repeat, real horses. Yes. Not real horses. <laughs> Are horse races like all year round? 
Um, Probably around the world, right? And you can yeah. bet on them remotely. When yeah, and they had right? some stuff too that they were they're doing some like historical stuff. So like the right old yeah scrape data. So like you just have a certain number of things and you get to judge. And I don't know. I, don't, I think they're going to have a whole bunch of different things on there, oh. but. And it's a good question. Like if it's a game do, worm, can you like do, yeah, they just shut down horse racing at Santa Anita out in California because they had twenty two horses die in the past three months of racing there. Thanks. And that was um a lot. Obviously. But yeah, they're gonna be hiring the news article focuses on a hundred plus jobs, which is just That's a lot. It is a lot of jobs. It looks like the facility is going to be fifteen thousand square feet. And they don't even a, have to take care of the horses there because there aren't going to be any horses. <laughs> so just in case you missed that part <clears throat> earlier on, yeah. Um, so uh, an estimate that the business will generate as much as five hundred thousand dollars in local taxes every year. So okay, um, we'll hope that Vinton and the county can find a good. Uh, good use for that. And if you're looking for a job, uh, looks like they're going to be some hiring and some job fairs coming up soon to work at Rosie's, which I don't know how I feel about that name. It's funny. This is so random, but I used to, you know, at grocery stores, they have those little like ponies that you can ride. You like put a quarter in like for kids, ride the little pony um, outside of this is like from my hometown back in the 80s and 90s. But the horse that I used to ride in front of the grocery store every time we went shopping, I named Rosie. So. It must be some sort of horse thing or just a crazy coincidence. But either way, it's it, it's nostalgic to me. I think they probably brought that horse up to put it outside of this game. I doubt that horse still works. It was pretty ramshackle back in the late 80s anyway. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> well, now we've got a couple articles that kind of touch on some of the difficulties of Roanoke here. Some nuanced, um, difficult know, some articles. The first one being a long piece from Matt Chittam, who I have to give credit for kind of digging into and laying out some of the complexities here um, for the Roanoke Times about how the Roanoke has made, uh, the city has made uh, equity a core part of their comprehensive plan that they're building right now. Uh, and yet they seem to have be having a lot of trouble getting potentially the right people at the table as they try and gauge what equity should look like moving forward um and so there's a this is a very complex story you know i think uh, we know the folks that are working on this from the city's perspective and i think that they really do have the best intentions at heart but it's a very difficult thing i mean i think it kind of is um there's a quote down here that i think really lays it out that um oh gosh let's see can i find it now that i need it <laughs> oh here it is um Karen Frycob um, said the same faces in the African-American community show up at all the meetings, like the one that night. And then she says, quote, you can no longer count us on us to do your work. Um, you all are going to have to get into these neighborhoods and get the real stories and mm -hmm. listen. I think that's the key part of this, that it's if it it's just takes a lot of work to get in and really engage these folks and. Um, yeah. It, whoever it might be, you know, we're this is mainly even focused on the African American community. Much less, we're talking about the Hispanic community. That's mm -hmm. not even really particularly brought up in this mm -hmm. article, but um, yeah, not surprising, but yeah, noteworthy and newsworthy nonetheless. Yeah, the article definitely should be looked at um, to sort of understand what the questions that are being brought up now are. the 
the city's comprehensive plan, the 20 year plan that they're developing, they've been having these open meetings and open planning sessions with members of the community who self-selected in, um, and they are continuing to have them. They've got six more coming up all across the city at different times during the day. They've changed the timing. They've changed the locations. They've done a lot to try to make it open to everyone. But of course, self-selection into a thing like this is, is nuanced and complicated on its own and the ability to self-select and feel like you're being heard and, um, really invited to those spaces is, is very, very complicated and fraught. And, um, you know, it's important to have these conversations. I'm glad people are asking questions and I'm glad people are standing up for people who feel like they don't have a voice in this, but it's really complicated. Yeah. I mean, I always say if you want, if you really want to change, like you got to get in the, you got to get in the trenches and you got to get your hands dirty. And I think that's what this city is not used to doing is getting their hands dirty and dealing with the people who um, live in those areas. They, they hit the outskirts and they, you know, they hit the surface level and think, oh, well, we, we've, we've gone this far. Um, we'll make a change here. But and I think the city is I think the people that are in these neighborhoods and, um, you know, the black people, you know, uh, Hispanics, the the marginalized population. I think they're too tired. I think they're so tired of people saying we're going to do this, we're going to do this, and nothing ever happening. Um, it goes down as simple as just fixing roads to, mm-hmm. in our communities. Like everybody else's roads look great, everybody else's parks look great, everybody else's trees grow great, everybody else's everything is amazing. But you know, you get in our areas and it's nobody wants to come and deal with that so until you get people that truly truly want to deal with that and get their hands dirty and get you know deal with the people that nobody wants to deal with then you're just going to have the same cycle um yeah. i feel like that's where we're at, we're at now is i'm not surprised by that at all like that's that's planned that 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 was strategically planned so well, Doesn't and really I, I have to me. say in the article, you know, Christianum is quoted, quoted as saying like that Roanoke's track record has been when anything gets hard, we stop doing mm-hmm. it. So the plan is to plow ahead as messy as it is. And that's, I think that is like the, the passion is there. He is clearly a public servant. Like he's, and this is not an article about Chris or about Wayne or about the meetings necessarily. It's about the bigger questions around structural racism and how we've handled mm-hmm. this in the past. And that's, what's so important about it. But in, in the article, it even mentioned like at some point an apology needs to be mm-hmm. addressed and w- there needs to be things addressed that aren't just like point A to point B solving little problems. It's right. like, there's a bigger conversation to be had. And that's what the person who wrote the letter to city brought up. And Anyway, it's, it's very interesting and, and people definitely should engage with this process, but there's, there's complicated aspects to that as well. Um, I wanted to say before I forgot though, that the website planronoke.org is sort of an open website. Like you can contribute your thoughts and, and answer surveys on there as well. So you don't even have to show up to the meetings to contribute. So if it's not something you want to do or feel like you can do with your schedule or anything like that, you know planronoke.org. You can go on there. You can contact through there. You can look at the plan and the, the, what phase we're on and, um, see the meetings and all of that and use that as a portal to talk to these folks directly. And 
I bet they're listening after, especially, you know, with all the conversation going on around it. So definitely at least do that, you know, I think it's hard. You know, I look at it, you know, what really needs to happen is a massive investment investment of money and time. Um, and there's just not money and time available. And so we mentioned before, I mentioned before we came on the air that, you know, Chris and Wayne are, have other things they need to do with their time too. It's not just, yeah, this isn't their full time job to do this 20 year plan. And so reality is like, they should be out on 11th street, talking to all the businesses. They should be out on Williamson (laughs) road, talking to all the businesses. They should be knocking on doors in Northwest, but we just, how do we incentivize the city enough to make it show that they budget the time and energy necessary to actually get out Mm -hmm. and do that? Yeah. That's tough. I, mean, I, I I see what you're saying. I don't know. I don't. I don't know the solution. I don't. I, I don't think. Um, I'm not. I'm not. Never gonna say I know the solution. I just know, like you said. I think the first thing first is like an apology. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, we like can't confront that you 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 made a mistake. Like that. There's been a. There's been a right number of the only times thing. like this that have gone so exactly. wrong. Like we. How do we expect that this one is just gonna be? you know, different, even exactly. if people are trying different methods and trying yeah. with much more compassion to address these problems, you can't ignore history. No. And I'm not saying that they are. It just, that seems like what the main message of this whole piece was about was just like, this is a really long story. It is not a new story. Right. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. I, it, I think people, I think just people are just like, kind of like they're, they're, they see that things have gone the same way so long so it's just kind of like even just being in like you said they can go to the website and type that stuff it's mm-hmm. like in their minds it's like nobody's gonna nobody's read this from nobody yeah. could nobody cares about this right like you know something happened yesterday over in the neighborhood and it's like the way the the whole the whole way the media even makes it out is that don't move to that area hmm. like that's the main thing that came out of that so you know, that's the main thing. That's the whole reason why I just kind of tell people, like, just drive by, like, walk, walk through, like, talk to some people. Like, it's not what you think it is. Yeah. Well, and also it does say in the article, this is not the main point of it, but it did mention that the demographic that are showing up to these things skews older, like retired age. Mm-hmm. And I mean, not to sound crass, but folks who are younger and who are young parents and who are committing to run up right now have a lot more to lose by not making their voices heard mm-hmm. because they have a lot more time left in this city. Sorry. Mm-hmm. This all sounds very like very crass, but it's true. And so, you know, I went to the first, one of the first meetings and felt, you know, like, Oh, this isn't really, I, I didn't find like a lot of worth in going to it. I had, I had some things to say. I listened a lot and then I was like, okay, I feel like I did my piece. I'm good, but that's really not how it should be approached. It should be like a very hands-on experience. Yeah. And especially for people who are committing here for the long term and have families and have, you know, want to have leadership here and all that. Like this is a part of that, but yeah, it's gritty. It's like nitty gritty work. It's tedious. These conversations are hard. Yeah. I think, I mean, for that, I just, I feel like the young people, at least the ones that I'm surrounded by and the people that, you know, some of my team and, you know, other people's teams, I think they see it as like, we've got to do this for us. So regardless of the help, regardless of, the meetings, regardless of anything, we've got to dig in and we've got to do this for us regardless. Yeah. So 
it starts with us. So on the back end, you know, I see it for me. I'm like, hey, it starts with us. Like, if I can't get out there myself and do it, then I dang on sure can't go to a meeting and ask for somebody else to do it. Yeah, or expect your peers to do or it if you can't to, yeah. do it. So yeah. I think that's when you speak about the younger people and the younger generation that's here, I see the younger generation, like, ground level, like, in the trenches, getting dirty. I see it. And I think our mindsets is just like, we've got to do this for us. Yeah. Like, we got to act as if there's no help. Right. Because it's been like that for yeah. so long. Yeah. So. And why spend time going to a meeting when you could just be doing the work? We could right? just do yeah. do the work. And then, you know, and it sucks because it, it takes more time mm-hmm. and it's prolonged and there's, finan- there's financial help that could be put in and stuff like that. But you yeah. just, you're dealing with a cycle. Oh, we could talk about this forever. Yeah, I think it's, I think you, I would also encourage the city to think about it as a relationship. And yeah. so that when you think about it that way, you think about what is the, you know, what is Northwest Roanoke's relationship with the city? It right. comes down to largely police and schools. Right. Um, and that's a very different invitation mm-hmm. to be involved in the city than you get in Southwest. And Absolutely. So let's start the that's conversation yeah. before this planning step. You have to take mm-hmm. a step back, I think, and build trust at a much more basic Absolutely. level before you get can have these kind of conversations. Right. Yeah. And then just be honest with your with yourself. I tell yeah. people to just be honest with yourself. Like, how much do you really want to help? Like, do you would you rather just do this? Are you trying to just do A or are you trying to do A, B, and C? Like, if you just want to do A, just do A. Like, don't feed me this, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. But and yeah. again, I think everybody at the city is doing what they can. Right. It just requires more, right. and just, yeah. more time, effort, and commitment. Absolutely. And I think the city as an entity is willing to put into it on some level. So, well, and also the city, you know, they are who they are and, and compassionate public service servants, they might be. And most of them that I know definitely are, but it's still, you know, dominated yeah. by white people. Yeah. Not to be like, just, I mean, I am a white person, so I'm not like the voice that should be necessarily calling, you know, calling people out on this, but the, the, the representation from the leadership sometimes doesn't, you know, we have a more diversity council than we've ever had, which is amazing. And I'm, I don't want to forget that part mm-hmm. of it, but in terms of employment and people who are running these meetings and things of that nature. Yeah. Um, and I think that's something they've, they've noticed. He mentioned in the article from the first meeting, they right. knew, Oh, we need to backtrack a bit, change right. what we're doing. So, yeah. I mean, great. Like I'm very like, appreciative that they yeah. noticed it right away. That's yeah. great. But I think that, it's a much I mean, bigger thing. I think my last thing I, I would say is like the same way you just now said it. Like you, I don't think, don't apologize for like using your platform to like, if you see something like, I, I think that's the main thing is like, if people use their platform, same way I use my platform, mm-hmm. it's not this large platform. Like I'm not a city council or anything like that, but I use my platform the way I should. And I try the the best I can yeah. for what I can. What you mean, and, all of our million listeners, you right. know, on our podcast <laughs> <Right>. here. <laughs> so, I mean, if 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 you see something like, you know, yeah. speak on it. Um, use your platform the best way you can. And if you have five minutes, just go on the website, and even if you feel yeah. like it's not going to go anywhere, just put something in there. Talk to them. Make your voice heard. That's just as important as all the other now, stuff too. Especially now, because yeah. now it's eyes are open totally so yes indeed 
Well, I just appreciate that everybody's like willing to have these conversations and is, is not getting all like backed into a corner about stuff. So very, very like happy to be a part of the conversation. Feel very, very fortunate to be able to speak on these things. Absolutely. And we would love to hear your feedback if you have some. Yeah, seriously. Also, we should probably move on because we could talk <laughs> about that for like four days. Um, or a lifetime. Um, <laughs> As we should. But So in a similar, I think, very related thing, um, the this was an article that didn't necessarily, I won't call out WSLS, but uh, an article that I think about an important thing that didn't necessarily do the best job of explaining it, but... Um, Robert Wood Johnson Foundation, University of Wisconsin's Public Health Institute, every year release reports on health outcomes and health factors. And um, City of Roanoke actually had a somewhat of a decline. And this, uh, they mentioned some numbers on here. And if you actually backtrack them, um, this is all based in the just in the state of Roanoke or state of Virginia. That out of 133 municipalities, the city of Roanoke is 113th on their list of um, health outcomes. Meanwhile, Roanoke County is 31. So you can see a massive disparity just between the city and county. And this is largely based on things like premature death, quality of life, smoking, all these kind of things that you would expect to be engaged in there. But it's not surprising in some ways, I think, when you think about how difficult it is to engage with Populations, I think, you know, um, there's all kinds of research out there about how hard it is to change health outcomes and um, how connected they are with all kinds of things along the equity front. And so this is all part of that same conversation in some ways. Yeah, they do call out on here lack of transportation. I think that's such a huge thing is people in the county typically have cars and can drive to things like doctor's offices and grocery Mm -hmm. stores that sell Mm -hmm. good produce and, um, you know many, many more resources. And that is a big problem in the city of Roanoke is that we have a lot of food deserts and a lot of places where people do not have good transportation options to get to places that sell healthy food. And as we all know, that's a big factor in being able to keep yourself a healthy person. Mm -hmm. So transportation, that's what we talk about it so much because like, it's really important for everybody's health. It's really important. important. You know, what's not going to help with it. Scooters. Scooters. (laughs) All right. All right. (laughs) Um, yeah, well, we'll certainly, you know, keep an eye on this, but And the people are aware of it and working on it. So anyone from Karelian to United Way to Leap and a number of other folks are all engaged in that conversation. Yeah. Um, there was actually a meeting here, um, with some state level folks yesterday that I know about because my husband works for Leap, um, but coming in to talk about hunger and food access issues and things like that. You know, people from the governor's office who are interested in what's going on in this area about that. So I know a ton of people are working on this. Um, it is just very difficult to change. I mean, there's so many parts of this equation and then a United Way does a lot to work on all of those parts and a lot Mm -hmm. of the other nonprofits in town support your nonprofits folks. Well, very good. Um, did you guys have a good St. Patrick's Day? Whew, some people did. Gracious. <laughs> I am always impressed by Roanoke's ability to go big on St. Patrick's Day. This never blew me away. They said that they sold 
10,700 beers at the festival in 2018, which is just... Wow. And the festival is just like two downtown streets they block off. I mean... Yeah, and that, that's not counting restaurants or breweries. Right. I mean, that's just the festival itself, so 10,000 plus beers. That's, that's astounding. Yeah. Kudos, Roanoke. You guys really can drink. <laughs> <laughs> really can put down some beers, some green colored beers. Um yeah, it was a busy day downtown. I walked around a little bit um, and had a couple of drinks at different places. I did not get one at the festival because it, the line was so freaking long. So I went to other beer establishments and it was wild and crazy. Wild and crazy. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't get out there until like 6.37. Which is late for St. Patrick's yeah. Day because people started like 11 a.m. And then... Um, and I, I kicked it for a little while with some friends out there, but it wasn't really my vibe. Yeah. So I, I turned it in. Yep. I went to a day party, which was cool. And then I, I was at home. Not really my vibe. The older I get, the less I want to be around, like, big crowds where I don't know. Yeah. I've the, never been that person. Well, yeah. Oh, is like, everybody surprised out there? Like, um. The older I get, it's just like, <laughs> uh, yeah, it felt it felt really intense, like the the noise and the people and the like. Yeah, and I love festivals and stuff like that. So I don't. What, it was just really I, condensed. Yeah. in downtown, it felt very like hectic. And anyway, it's it's a great opportunity to come out of your wintertime hidey hole and like see humans. So that's great. Um, and you can find your little spots. You know, we went to somewhere that was a lot more calm, which was nice. Yeah. Um, but yeah, same Patrick's Day. Crazy. The spring of like Roanoke festivals has suddenly kicked off and Woo-hoo. hold on tight. Mm-hmm. Festivals <laughs> all the time. Yeah. Um, I'm so excited about this next one. <laughs> what, what are you excited about? So we're, we're talking about growth, uh, especially the business sector growing in Wasina. Um, I've got, I've got a lot of friends who live in Wasina and I would love to live in Wasina. I think it'd be a really cool neighborhood to move into. Um, I like its proximity to the Greenway and the river and downtown and all those things. Um, but if you've driven up and down main street, you know, over the past few years, it's been slow to, to develop. It's a cute little main street area. It's got a lot of little storefronts there, but suddenly over the past you know, a few months they've renovated a couple of spots. Places have been, um, you know, old places that had the same thing in them for years and years and years that were not retail have suddenly turned into like cleaned up business fronts that we've got roasters next door going in a locally owned coffee shop. Um, and then this story probably was talking about, yeah, from WDBJ was talking about the restaurant that's going in there, Bloom, which, um, my friend Nate Sloan, who works at local roots is the owner of, and I'm super excited about it. Is he going to be uh, as bougie as... Uh, as Roots? Uh, or is this just the logo makes it seem very hip? And Oh, uh, it's going to be hip, of course. Um, it's going to be American small plate style. Uh, so, you know, local food, um, but casual fare and a good wine bar, um, which is great. We do not have a lot of wine bars in Roanoke, so there's a lot of cool. reasons I'm excited about it. Hmm. But... Um, I very much trust Nate's uh, curatorial and chef sensibilities. So really exciting. Yeah. <laughs> and it'll be great for Wasina too. I mean, the tap room's great. We've got the green goat down there. 
um, a few other restaurant locations, but this will be something different for Wasina. Give people who live there a different thing they can walk to and do. They'll have brunch and really makes it all that a destination space as they look to that bridge closing down, which will be good for right. them. It'll be like a little cul-de-sac of things to do. Yeah. If you haven't been to Roasters Next Door Coffee, they're right now in the Hive, the mead tasting room, temporarily while they get their permanent location set up. But Stefan's awesome. Their coffee's amazing. I, you know, recommend it highly. It's a great place. I'll make you an excellent pour over and tell you all about the coffee. <laughs> well, and last but not least this week, uh, we'll share that Morningside Park's mountain bike trails appear to be open at this point, which is... Well, the cyclists have been all over them, so they, I hope they're open. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, very exciting. This has been under workers a long time as a way for people that don't really know how to mountain bike can go experience and learn a little bit about it. And so uh, it's apparently something that's been really lacking as someone who does not mountain bike. I'm not totally clear on that, but it should be a vehicle to get more people involved and outside and doing something fun and cool. So uh, if you're interested in learning how to mountain bike, you should head on over to Morningside Park. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, um, it's sort of the, from the photos, at least I haven't been out there personally, but from the photos, it looks like you can, um, experience what it feels like to mountain bike without the, uh, risks of suddenly turning a corner and being in like a very rocky section or a very rudy section. It's built trails. So there's a little bit of that like pump track look feel to it where there's little hills and mounds and berm corners and things like that. Um, really good for beginners, but also if you just want to come out and play around as a more seasoned bike rider, probably is pretty fun. I heard that X, you're going to be leading some classes out there. Absolutely not. (laughs) No, No, I will not be there. (laughs) Where's Morningside Park? Southeast. Yeah, Southeast. Okay. Oh, okay. Cool. So, so yeah, a lot of things happening over there. Yeah. That's where Carillion is doing some of their gardening and urban farm stuff as well. Yeah, our little, our girls program is going to be doing some gardening there this summer. Cool. Yeah. So well, maybe they should go mountain bike and then they can go. I think they probably. I would do it. I'm up for anything, honestly. I'm up for anything, honestly. Um, yeah, I, I mean, we rode mountain bikes when we were in high school. We didn't really mountain bike. Mm-hmm. We just rode bikes. You can go down those hills though, and then you can get up yeah. to speed. That's why I'll just walk up and down the hill. <laughs> yeah, but I wear a helmet. Don't be an idiot. Don't put your damn scooter on the hill. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would be bad. Actually, I think more people share your opinions about the scooters than I initially thought. I've had a lot of people come up to me and be like, I'm pretty not okay with the scooters I mean, also. So I will say. Think about St. Patrick's Day with that would have been fun. 200 scooters <laughs> with drunk people on that would have been fun. Uh, Yeah, I, have, I would have enjoyed <laughs> riding a scooter around myself. Um, all right, let's move on to this. Our, our classic section we like to call spotlights. And I'm going to start <laughs> uh, for arts and culture. If you haven't been to, so a lot of you probably haven't been to the Jefferson Center at all, but most of you know that there's a big main hall with 900 seats that is the like main, the bread and butter of their performance sector at the Jefferson Center. But if you haven't been to Fostec Hall, it used to be called something else. It was like the Black Box or Backstage Theater or something like that. Um, it is behind the main stage. And they program it with smaller jazz club shows. And I've talked about jazz club before, but I just wanted to throw another, you know, referral out to that. It's they sometimes put chairs, but sometimes it's standing room. It's a 200 person size venue. They always set up a little bar in there. It's it feels very speakeasy, very cool. And on Friday, 
there's a group coming called Alcera and the Nubatones um, that do African inspired music. And she's from Sudan. And um, I listened to their Tiny Desk concert yesterday and they're phenomenal. And I'm super excited to see this kind of music coming to Roanoke in general because I really like that kind of music and didn't expect it. So Friday tickets for 20 bucks. Not so bad for um, that kind of music and that venue. So check it out. I didn't have a small child. This would be the kind of concert I would go to. Yeah. Man. Have you heard of babysitters? It costs that cash money. Turns into a very expensive date. All of a sudden, that's a $50 ticket instead of a $20 ticket. Um, Well, I'll let you know how it is. Please do. I expect Facebook Live of the entire thing. Probably won't do that. Do you want to move on to food or you want to do business? Let's move on to food. Um... Okay. Well, cool. I have some more things to say then. (laughs) (laughs) So before we started recording, we were discussing food and I got really jazzed up about telling Brad and Xavier about my experience at Bobby's Hot and Cheesy last night, the pizza place at Towers next door to Bubble Cake, which is also owned by the same company. So the pizza was great. I got some cookies. They were great. I had a cookie before I had my pizza. It was a real night. But um, what I wanted to bring up was that they have (laughs) $10 bottles of wine all the time which I was shocked to find out. Um, and it's, it looks like decent quality too. You have to enjoy it there on, on premises. You can't take it with you. And they have $1 PBRs. So if you're not a wine drinker and you want some cheap beer, go get some pizza and beer at Bobby's hot and cheesy. I don't know. It's really phenomenal. I'm not, I'm not a beer, beer drinker. They have sangria. I'll drink sangria. There you go. Sangria. They also have like frozen alcoholic drinks, like frosé and stuff that okay. look pretty tasty. I don't know how much those cost, but um, yeah, I say splitting a bottle of wine with a friend and having some pizza. It's a fun night right there. <laughs> it's a way to, to kick off the evening. <clears throat> That's usually where my evening ends, but I will say that it's quite good pizza as well. Is it? mm-hmm. It's not. Is it like really, really, really cheesy? It's pretty cheesy. Yes, yes. I don't know if it's that I'm sure you cheesy. I mean they make it when you order oh, it. Okay, so you could okay. say like, hey, cool yeah. it on the cheese. The cheese. Yeah. Yeah. It was the cheesiest pizza okay. I've ever had. It okay. Was, I think it's normal. Yeah. But the crust is really good. It's Lots good of toppings. Crust. And you can get cookies and cupcakes next door. Anyway. Which is dangerous, yeah. I'm really <laughs> hungry, so I could talk about this for a while, but <laughs> me too. <laughs> well, I'll close this out with our business of the week, which um it's a company called Purple Crayon, which I should I want to give them credit just for having an amazing name. Uh, it's based on Harold and the Purple Crayon, the idea that you can kind of build whatever you want to. Um, Their logo is a purple squiggle, like in the yes, book. Yes, it's, it's really cute. That's dope. It's right there. See, uh, sorry, nobody can see except us, but it's on this poster in this room. Um, oh, it's really cute. Know, they're really. Uh, I want to highlight them because they're a company that's really looking kind of on the cutting edge of things, and it's cool to have them in Roanoke. Essentially what they are is they do software solutions for technical writing, which you wouldn't think is a big field, but is actually a massively growing field because no one wants to read manuals anymore. So how do you purvey information about how to use the kind of things that people are building? Uh, And so Hal and his folks at Purple Crayon are doing some really fascinating work in that space. And so really I wanted to highlight them as an example of Folks in Roanoke doing things that are on the cutting edge for people anywhere. And so, yeah. um, good Innovation. stuff and a great name. Innovation. Okie dokie. All right. Well, I got to go eat some lunch. Yeah. This was a pleasure. 
Thanks, y'all. Thank you. Please give us a rating and review wherever you listen to this and subscribe, and we'll look forward to seeing you next week.